You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. Guys, we're rolling into the fall season, and you know what's great for fall? Some delicious baked goods. So why not head on over to fredsbs.com and get yourself some delicious fall treats. While you're there, go ahead and use that coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, you can go on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network store and buy some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. As we are rolling into my favorite time of year, I hope that nothing but good things lay ahead of you for the fall season. Thank you guys again so, so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we We had to go back. Debatable. I mean, it's the first time in like three weeks we don't have a guest, so I guess we didn't have to do anything. I was going to say, you know, it's kind of, I feel kind of lonely, Will. <laughs> I am not enough company for you. No, that's the not true. The adventures <laughs> of Jack and Locke and Sawyer aren't enough uh, the for you. The boys club. Well, such a boys club this episode. We, we had to go back. <laughs> Welcome back to No Love Lost, a podcast where we break down the weekly adventures of <laughs> Jack and Locke and Sawyer on a mysterious island. As they put up a No Girls Allowed sign up on their little clubhouse, apparently. Girls stink. <laughs> um... But we are breaking down Season 2, Episode 11, The Hunting Party. It is, interesting enough, written by two women, Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim, and directed by Stephen Williams. This is baffling to me. <laughs> um, but actually, now that, now that we've started talking about that, I'm like... Oh my god, like, I kind of would love, like, a heart... You know how we, we do our little spinoffs? We create yeah. our little spinoffs? I want a Hardy Boys spinoff <laughs> where, where Locke and Sawyer and Jack just... They do... Not quite, like, the same level of Detective Kate, but they go off and they solve mysteries because they're young boys on this island. Yeah, like, I, I want the Hardy Boys spinoff. That's not bad. And then eventually there'll be the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew crossover, which uh, would be with yes, Detective Kate. Exactly. Yeah. Although uh, Detective Kate would also be more like Harriet the Spy if we're if we're aging down the characters. I would totally be okay with that too. Don't get me wrong. Detective Kate is my like neo noir, you know that that sort of yeah. thing. Um, Hard boiled crime drama. As think, supernatural crime drama, but like I would also dig if she was Harriet the Spy, and then we had our Hardy Boys crossover. Um, someone hire me. <laughs> this sounds so like so much fun to write. Oh my god. So, 
I, I mean, I imagine in the background of us doing this podcast, you already have <laughs> pages upon pages of Detective Kate fanfic <laughs> written. I will neither confirm nor deny this fact. Um, this is an interesting episode, The Hunting Party, because for me, this is an episode that moves the overall plot of the story forward, but also travels in a lot of things that are already familiar about the characters. And I think what we, like, Jack's flashback, which we're going to get into, it might be a great representation of all, and maybe to this point, of all the things that make Jack tick and what's wrong with him, but also it doesn't tell us anything new that's wrong with him. It's like, good story, <laughs> but we kind of know it. I mean, that, that that's that's part of my take. I mean, I, I think that's a fair assessment because that's one of the reasons why um, at the very end of season three, the show decided to shift gears with its flashbacks because it was like, how much of the same character beats can we keep talking about? And granted, this was an important character beat for Jack because yeah. it ultimately showed how the marriage that we knew was going to end, how that marriage actually ended. Yes. So it did fill in that gap, but you're also right. There's not really much surprise here in terms of the arc that Jack goes through as a character. It's all the things within Jack and the way he feels about himself and what he has to, all the toxic things within <laughs> him. It's, we, we revisit those things and we see how it destroyed his marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really the marriage is, I guess the the twist of this whatever. Yeah. But we also know he doesn't his marriage doesn't work out, and I think we could have all assumed that these were the reasons why. So it's interesting because I actually think this so like this flashback I think is so good, but then it's also like you didn't give me anything new. Like well, I'm really torn about my feelings on the flashback. I. I'm of, um, I have two thoughts about it. One is that it's an examination of his hubris. And, yeah. um, and in terms of like, you know, he's the type of person like, I will fix you. I will fix this. This is an instance of two very real things he is unable to fix. And it's the first time he's confronted with his desire to fix things as a character flaw. Like, this is probably the first time he... Like, besides and, his father, like, when he was a child, well, confronting somebody confronting him with, you'll always need something to fix. You know what's interesting? I think in the fur as far as flashbacks go, you are 100% right. This is the first time we're seeing that in the flashbacks. We've seen that on the island, though. Yeah. We've seen that with Boone. We've seen that with people he can't save and the frustration yeah. he has over it. I, I think the only person beside yeah, is uh, to, to acknowledge that in flashbacks is Christian Shepherd up to this point. But, like, we can dismiss a lot of that because he's usually being, quote-unquote, the bad guy in those flashbacks. He's usually had a few. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're, <laughs> go home, Christian, you're drunk. Um, but the, the Christian up- Shepherd, this is an Arby's. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but the, uh, the other thought I have about this episode is that it's an explanation of why his, um, 
the the way he and Kate's their kiss two episodes ago, <laughs> why he's acting on the island in the way that he is in the wake of that kiss, because the the romantic moments, the, the romantic beats in this flashback are very evocative of the kiss that Kate gave him when she was in that very vulnerable position. Um, well, let's get into the flashback beat by beat here. Uh, and it starts off with Jack and Christian. Uh, they're, and, and Christian, by the way, is very, like, mature and fatherly in this episode. Yeah. Like, not, like, he he's seems not, pretty sober. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sobering portrayal of him. Like, he's giving reasonable advice. He's making pragmatic choices. He's not being, he's not being a bad father in this. Um, but it starts off with, you know, Christian's giving this, uh, Italian man some, uh, some bad news. But the Italian man's daughter, uh, uh, Gabriella, she was like, we know, we didn't come here for you. We came <laughs> here for the miracle work. We came here for Jack. I'm not here for you. It's an impossible surgery, and she knows it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I we want we want to roll the dice. We want to do it with him because we've heard this guy did something nobody else has done." Yeah, and you know what? To their credit, like I understand Christian Shepherd and even Jack's initial reluctance here because they're like, "This is not, this is not going to be great." Like, this isn't going to end well if we attempt this surgery to the point where Christian Shepard's even like, surgery is not even an option for you. Which, again, we should always take his assessments with a grain of salt because, you know, he drinks on the job. And he's also (laughs) somebody who does, I think, have the hospital's bottom line in his head a little exactly. bit more than Jack ever does. It's, it's funny because for a guy who, who lectures his son about the importance of bedside manner, you know, he's also willing to um, sweep his own mistakes under the rug and yeah. often will sometimes overlook the the human cost of what's going on. But um, but anyway, you know, he's he's not the bad guy here for saying this is not something we can do. Um, but I have to kind of, you know, I lean towards Gabriella's point of view of like, we don't, we don't want necessarily, we are, we're not expecting a miracle, but we would like you to try. Yeah, I mean, if I were a dying man, I would want them to try. Yeah. I'd want to like, let's roll the dice. Yeah, where it's, and yeah, even if like, it's a 50-50 chance, and I'm just throwing that number out there, like... There's a hundred percent chance you're gonna die if you don't try anything, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but then we see that Jack is kind of hedging his bets a little bit too, because the next time we see them in the flashback, they've been doing tests for months. Like he's clearly he's thrown himself into this patient, but he also uh, he's. <laughs> He's been called this miracle worker now, well, and he's hesitant to, because he knows there's a good chance this man will die, so he's hesitant to kind of jump in there Well, again. it's it's that moment of pride, you know, pride coming before the fall. In a moment of pride, you know, this, uh, this woman basically says, look, we're here for you, not your father. 
will you try? We believe in you. How do you say no? Yeah, exactly. You performed a miracle. Uh, won't you at least give it a try? And so in a moment of pride slash hubris slash arrogance, whatever you want to call it, Jack goes, well, okay, these are the steps we're going to need to take if we're going to try surgery. And I think he also really kind of liked rubbing it in his father's face, too. Of that, that just that yeah. brief moment of like, we didn't come here for you, Christian. We came here for Jack. And so it's this, it's this ego boost that he never gets from dad, you know. And, you know, because we know he craves his father's approval. And so getting this ego boost from an outside force in front of dad, like, it's easy to succumb to that. But I imagine that the second he was driving home away from this meeting, he went, oh, no, what did I do? What did I agree to? And so that's one of the reasons why he's being so cautious is because even though in a moment of pride he accepted it, uh, he knows deep down this isn't going to end well. Um, everything in this flashback is great. Like I said, it's just like I wasn't sure if I learned anything new. But as we talk about it, I'm like, oh, this is all really rich stuff. Yeah. Um. No, and I and I'm, I and, a... and I'm actually being now. I'm I'm questioning my initial thoughts on now that I'm well, talking. I'm questioning my initial thoughts of am I being overly hard on the idea of we're not getting anything new because all this is some deep stuff including what what comes comes next which is he comes home at 4 30 in the morning because he's working till 4 30 in the morning he's lost in work and we see that he's it's... spending time with gabriella and just lost track of time um <laughs> she is gorgeous by the way she is beautiful yes uh and i don't think he's actually like no yeah. no he's i mean we know when Jack wants to fix something, yeah. he's relentless. And, and, you know, this is when we see the thing of he's lost in his work. And is he lost in his work also because things with his marriage aren't going great? And he comes home and immediately you could sense there's a coldness when, when, when Sarah wakes up and everything. And there's like... This is a great performance for sure. And because she's like saying all the right things, but yeah. yeah, there is that distance there. Yeah, it is a great performance. You're right because ev you're right. Everything she's saying, if you just read it on a page, would seem like oh, she's being a supportive, reasonable, nice wife. Yeah, understanding. Yes, and compassionate. But what Julie Bowen brings to that performance is you already sense something is off. Something is cold. This isn't the warmth of like, the woman we've seen in two previous flashbacks. And you're like, is she angry that he came home so late and is just like, you know, trying to, to keep her temper in check? Like, what is the emotion behind this distance? Because it's hard to tell. Because I don't know about you, if somebody woke me up for at 4.30 in the morning, I'd probably be annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be annoyed that my husband came home 4.30 at night, the, probably multiple times that week. Like, I'd be annoyed. But yeah, it's hard to read what emotion's there. Uh, until we get to the end of the scene, mm. where she says something that's kind of like, what the fuck is this all about? Where she says that she took a pregnancy test. And Jack's like, mm. And then she goes, don't worry, it's negative. And at that point, like, 
oh, there is something deeply wrong within yeah. this marriage that that he would be like he wouldn't want to have kids right now, and she clearly doesn't seem too broken up about this either because yeah, it's like, said very matter of fact it, yeah she brought it up in such a like clinical like oh like hey just it was very flippant it was oh just so you know and it was literally it was kind of like i forgot to pick up milk coming back from the grocery store just i'm so, sorry like <laughs> just so you know we're not having a baby just like every other time we're not having a baby <laughs> um but like when he goes like do you want to talk about it which is also kind of an odd response because you like you said if a couple you know takes a pregnancy test usually they're on this they're probably on the same page about what they want the results to be yeah um and so when he goes do you want to talk about it and she goes what's there to talk about it's like yeah something's real wrong here <laughs> this is n- whatever's happening here it's not okay it's not working oh and just just for the record, whenever anybody says, what is there to talk about? There's something to talk about. Yeah, no one says, uh, no one says that without <laughs> there being. Without there being something huge to talk about. Um, but uh, so, you know, they, they have this moment. Then he's back at work, you know. More Testa tumor is getting aggressive. And he says... It's not too late to go back. But we had to go back. <laughs> we had to. And to Gabriella's credit, she's like, what the hell do you mean go back? What are you talking about, you crazy person? He's like, all we want is a chance. She keeps doing that. At this point, Christian walks in the room. And he senses there's a there's at least a flirtation coming from her. Is it is it weird that I didn't realize at first that this was a hospital waiting room? Because of the low light and the type of lamp there was, I looked at it and I was like, why did he go to her hotel room yeah. to have this paperwork signed? Uh, it is a weirdly, uh, it's a it's a weird <laughs> waiting room. And I, I, I legit, I was like, why did Jack go to her hotel room <laughs> up until Christian walks? And then I was just like, oh, <laughs> never mind. You know what? It's a hotel room. It's it's a waiting room for people with fucking money. It's a waiting room. <laughs> That you or I will never be waiting in. <laughs> that's true. That we will be. Maybe, yeah, that's that's the, that's why I didn't recognize it. It's because yeah. it's nicer than any waiting room I've ever been in. <laughs> because Gabriella and her father, they got, they're loaded. <laughs> they got all the money in the they world. They can afford the miracle worker. <laughs> they're flying in from Italy for that great American healthcare system oh. that we have got. <laughs> Now I have questions. <laughs> Wasn't that the thing about, I mean, not to all of a sudden get political. Like, we have, like, amazing doctors, but shitty health care. Yep. Isn't that that sort of thing? I fly that doctor to Italy, <laughs> put him up in my villa, and... Uh, uh, that sounds amazing. Have him treat me there. Uh, can you do that? Is that allowed? I don't know. You see, well, what you got to do... You gotta send in a spy, first and foremost. You gotta send in a spy to uh, do reconnaissance 
on that doc. It, like, is he really as good of a spinal surgeon as you think he is? Then you kidnap him and throw him in a polar bear cage, and then you make him do the surgery on you. I like where you. I like where you. I like where your head's at. We that is the most should. logical conclusion for uh, all of this. <laughs> we probably should have given our spoiler at the beginning of the episode. Now that I think about it, although to be not that fair, that's going to be relevant. To in be any fair, time. if you don't know what that is then I don't know how that would even be a spoiler. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? Um, You'll find out. <laughs> but Christians basically like, be careful now. Yeah. I know, because I'm a shit who fucks around. <laughs> so you should be uh, be careful with that. Before you know it, you have an illegitimate family somewhere, and Jack's going like, wait, what? Oh, um, bad time to bring up that you have a sister. <laughs> so, next time when the flashback, where if the surgery has been done, the man's heart gave out on the table. And it sounds like the surgery otherwise was going like, well, the thing they were in there trying to fix, Jack was doing it. Or maybe, I mean, we just have Jack saying that. But he's an old man. His heart gave out, and Jack is beating himself up over it. Well, you imagine that was probably one of the risks that they talked about. Well, and even, yeah. you know, I mean, anyone of a certain age, there are going to be more and more risks with surgery, even if you're in good health. Yeah, and sad to say, yeah, if you're in good health, sometimes things just happen. Like, the level of anesthetic is wrong, and like... Uh, this is... <laughs> surgery's creepy. When we're we're going to get old, and we're going to be in these hospitals and we're gonna have to have surgery and we're gonna possibly die on the <laughs> table this is very upsetting are maybe. you okay <laughs> you just had a moment there are you all right so <laughs> so it turns out i'm gonna get you a glass of whiskey <laughs> it turns out that's only gonna drive me to that surgery quicker <laughs> Um, but it'll make the trip there that much more that's pleasant. True. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we're gonna go ahead and put it out there. We need liver donors. Yeah. Uh, Christian says I told Gabriella. I told her, and ja I took care of I it. I took care of it. Yeah, which is a very Jack thing to do. Of like, I yeah. fixed it for you. And Christian, but I think Christian is also yeah. like he's. I think he's genuinely looking out for his son yeah. in this moment. Well, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a, the doctor big dick contest thing no, that they've had in the past. I think he's, is, it's genuine. This is a, this is a man who recognizes both his virtues and his flaws that exist within his son. You know, the, the things he's passed on to his son. So, and he... Be, oddly enough, even though Jack took that, that moment where he accepted doing the surgery, to, he took that moment to rub it in his father's face, his father doesn't take this moment to say, I told you so. Which yeah. I think is actually kind of a testament to how good of a character Christian can be. In terms of, like, you know, he really does care about his son. He's He can be a terrible father, but he can also be a good one. He gets in his own way the way jack gets in in jack's own way they're just different ways yeah. they're just like because i i think in christian's heart he's a he is a good man um and i mean look he's the 
When he's not being a manipulative monster, yes, he's a good man. Look, I mean, the series <laughs> basically ends with a speech from Christian, <laughs> not to jump way ahead. But, so, I mean, clearly even the series believes that there is a Christian is a, a good man at heart. He's not a... He was a good man that went down the wrong path. He's not Like a, a lot of characters on this show. He's not a villain like Susan. <laughs> Susan doesn't get redemption. She doesn't get a redemption arc. Um. <laughs> nope, she gets killed by her son with psychic powers, and that is the retribution that she gets. So, anyway. <laughs> um, he goes to his car in the parking lot. Who's there waiting for him? Uh, the beautiful Gabriella. And Gabriella's like, oh, thank you for trying. Like, yeah. And, it's, and I think it's... I, I love that she doesn't blame him. Yeah. I love that she was like, yeah, it is a genuine, like, because, like, there are so many shows where Christians, you know, would have been like, I told you so. And where Gabriella would have been like, why didn't you save him? You promised. Yeah. You know, there are so many shows that would do that. And this show shows restraint in that regard. And I think that's good writing. Lost, a show that you could agree always shows restraint. <laughs> you so much <laughs> so, so Gabriella kisses him after he says it and you know one I think there was a genuine attraction she had to him to begin with but also this is one of those moments of like kind of misplaced emotion there's a mm -hmm. there's a it's reminded me this have you seen the movie Widows no 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 this doesn't this isn't a plot point of Widow, so I'll, I'll, I'll say it. But and it's a scene with your favorite Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> and there's a moment where Michelle Rodriguez, whose husband is dead, is talking to this guy whose wife has recently died. And it's this really weird, awkward exchange they're having. And then they just kiss each other, like, <laughs> really weirdly, passionately. And they both pull away, like, this is highly inappropriate. But it's this great little moment in the film of where people have these... They don't know, they have a bunch of emotions inside of them, and they don't know where to place them. And that's what this kiss was. And Jack had these, 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 and then, and, and too, like, I, I don't, like, I want to give Jack a mulligan on this kiss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not that well, you should go around I kissing mean, him, but. A man just died on his operating table. He's attracted to Gabriella. Things are terrible with his marriage right now. He she, does the right thing in terms of walking away and, and admitting even confessing, what he did. Yeah, yeah. And he he does the right thing in that regard. I I do. I am the one going like, don't cheat, don't cheat. But you know, and well, I, I and I maintain that because just a couple minutes later, when he confesses, we find out that oh, <laughs> he wasn't yeah. the only one that strayed. Which is something I had forgotten. But they. Uh, yeah, it's not, it, look. If he had gone back with her to her hotel slash hospital waiting room, then I wouldn't feel sorry for him. Yeah, but because it was his kiss, and she kisses him, and he goes with it for like a second, and then pulls away. Like I, I give him a mulligan. And well, and here's the thing: is like this is the moment. This is why this flashback is coming an episode after what Kate did. Because he very recently had a kiss just like this on the island. So it makes sense that these memories would be... Like, it's funny because 
I, I sometimes don't know whether or not the flashbacks are there solely for us or if they're also meant to be there to kind of illustrate what's, what the character's state of mind is. And I think this is an example of an episode where it's very much meant to illustrate Jack's state of mind with what's going on right now. Because, I mean, they even show it in the previously on with was that kiss with Kate. Yes. So it, it would make sense that these memories are very fresh in his head and why he treats Kate the way he does in this episode. So he does go home. He tells his wife, who's uh, set up, she, uh, he died on the table. And they're talking a little bit. And he just kind of like, I, I kissed Gabriella. Uh, she kissed me, I kissed her back, uh, and I realized we don't talk, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix this. And Sarah's like, I'm leaving you. (laughs) And at first you're like, oh, yeah, she's like, him cheating on her. Oh, yeah, it's unforgivable, it's unforgivable, so that's why she's leaving him. And then... (laughs) I'm seeing someone. What? (laughs) Like, not even like... I had some weird one night stand. Like, I'm seeing someone. Like, I also kissed somebody and it was a one time thing and I feel bad about it and I'm only just now telling you, no! But I'm kissing somebody all the time, baby, and it's not you. <laughs> and <laughs> she said it just like that, too. And then. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, that's my Julie Bowen impersonation. It's so good. And then she says, uh, you will always need something to fix. So, and again, fantastic performances from both Matthew Fox and Julie Bowen. Like, so, so, so good. This was fantastic. So, that brings us to the island. <laughs> Let's see what Jack's trying to fix this week. Oh, man. So, oh. <laughs> Locke is, is knocked out in the gun safe. And Jack's like, What's happening here? <laughs> Only to find who's there with a gun on him? Michael. <sighs> it begins. <laughs> and he's like, You gonna shoot me, Michael? And Michael immediately says no. To which at that point, I feel like Jack could have... I don't I know. I mean, he's still pointing a gun yeah, at Yeah, I you. guess you can't just lunge at the person. Oh, you're not going to shoot me? Then put your finger in the barrel of the gun. No. Oh, yeah. You're not Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck. Don't do that. That will end in disaster for you. Now, last week, I was shitting on Jack for being, like, all with Michael. No, we're going to figure something out. We're going to do something. It's like, do something. And... And to Michael's credit, he's trying to be proactive. <laughs> I totally understand why Michael is reacting this way. Nobody has, is helping him put together a plan. And he says that computer is not what you think it is. I'll shoot the computer. It's not what you think it is. Although it kind of is what they think it now, is. And it kind of is. His behavior here does kind of make me double down on that theory I presented last week of, like, the text wasn't actually there. Yeah. Like, uh, because, like, he is not fully unstable, but this is the beginning of Crazy Michael. This is legit the beginning of Crazy Michael. And, um, and so, like, seeing how quickly that escalated, I'm like, oh, 
And, and granted, it's understandable why it escalated, because, you know, if you believe that correspondence is real, I'd probably freak out too. But, like, seeing his his behavior escalate like this definitely makes me double down on, like, the, nah, that writing wasn't even there, man. <laughs> it wasn't even there. So Michael decides to lock them in the gun safe. <laughs> Problem being, someone's got to push that button. Yep. But he locks them in the gun safe. And, uh, you know, Jack's like, oh, let's go through this vent. And Locke's like, I bolted the vent shut. (laughs) Which, by the way, I feel like that, because I wasn't even thinking there's a vent in there. I feel like that moment only exists... Because earlier in the season, we had Kate crawling through vents. Yeah, and she was I, doing her John McClane thing. I'm telling you, this is what went down in that writer's room. They're like, well, can they crawl out through the vent? Like, what vent? Remember at the beginning <laughs> of the season? Ah, went, ah, shit. So now we gotta, we either have to have them get out through that vent, or we have to create an obstacle. Okay, and look, it's not illogical, but it's like, this is... It, had you not had people in the vent earlier in the season, there would have been no talk of a vent. No, although I do love the, um, <laughs> I do love, I love Jack's reaction. That's really smart, John. That's really, really smart. Good thinking. Way to be proactive. And you can just see how, like, furious he is that Locke took it upon himself to make, I don't know, repairs, quote unquote, to the hatch. The only... Without running it by him. Now, this moment of tension of who's going to push the button is kind of undercut very quickly. Not that the episode's about that, so it's not that big a deal. Although, it would have been interesting to have, like, a real-time episode of them in that... Like, in the, that... like 24 have the clock going, and then, I'm like, four they... different panels. I'm surprised they didn't do... I mean, not full 24, but I'm surprised they never did an episode where it's, like, like real time with that counter and like is someone going to be able to push that button i know it would never happen because they were on two very different networks and if they were to do a crossover it would have been something with an abc um ip but now that we've said it i was like oh man what i wouldn't give for somebody to drop jack bauer onto this island I'll tell you Give what. Give him a day, and, and the Dharma Initiative would be destroyed. The only one who knows more about torture than Saeed <laughs> would be Jack Bauer. They could be friends. They're either going to be the best of friends or the worst of men. Uh, they won't trust each other at first, but then they'll no. come together at the end. And it'll be great, and I have another fan fiction to write, apparently. Um, Jack Bauer was on that plane. Um... <laughs> So I have to get off this island and save the president. <laughs> they said the only hope is that Sawyer has to get his bandages changed. Cut to Sawyer <laughs> on the beach. Kate's like, Sawyer, you better go get those bandages he's changed. He's like, I don't wanna. <laughs> yeah, and he's being flirty with Kate. You know, they're doing the they're usual. They're great. They're great. And, uh, you know, uh, so they go into the hatch and they're like where is everybody and the counter's getting close to the end they're like yelling hey hey and Help. and like push the button and kate pushes the button and sawyer lets him out of thing he's like what happened now all of them here's something ridiculous all of them seem really shocked that michael would do something <laughs> 
like <laughs> that's insane to me that they're also can't believe Michael would go out there. Like they've been sitting on their hands for literal days now, um, doing nothing about Walt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm shocked the father. Well, you know what? They all have such daddy issues. They're shocked the father would care so much to go traipsing through the jungle. Right? That's what it is. <laughs> that they, don't, they don't know what positive <laughs> parental role models look like. And by the way, the fact that Michael is the positive parental role model of the series. Oh my god. <laughs> or at least the one that wants to be engaged, I suppose. So, Maybe not positive, but at least the one with the desire to be engaged. Yeah. Dear uh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. They don't understand. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they're like, we're going to go out and find them. And Sawyer's like, I'm coming. And they're like, you're not in good, good. you can't go. Blah, blah. <laughs> and you're like, you're, you know, you're, uh, I forget what Jack says. But then Sawyer's like, it's a good thing I'm traveling with my doctor. <laughs> oh, that rogue. That charming rogue. Sawyer has lots of good lines. This my favorite one is coming up very soon. <laughs> um, now, this whole scene, ultimately it pans out with, uh, as I kind of mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, the boys going, we're going, Kate, you're staying, no girls allowed, boo, uh, <laughs> get out of here, you've got cooties. Um, my issue here, like, there's a lot to unpack with this kind of decision here. Um, and one, I really love, the, I love Sawyer going because it's excellent payoff from when they were with the Tailies and he was basically dying of his infection and he says to Michael, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone back for you. Yes. Yes. This is excellent payoff for Sawyer because it just shows even though he doesn't want to admit it, it shows his growth as a character and it shows that he actually does give a shit about the people around him even though he vehemently denies it. And I love, I love Locke being a part of this party because, you know, much like he had a, that relationship bond with Walt in season one, and that was sort of developing with Michael in the previous episode, so I like him being there too. Best tracker also. Absolutely. Jack, he needs to fix everything, so I understand. And he's That's the protagonist. The, and he's the one who's the most difficult on this trip. Because he's the guy who has to fix, like, he's, they would have been better off Jack staying and Kate going with him. That's, that's my problem. That's my problem, is it was, Kate, you stay here. And she lays out, I'm great at tracking, like, I, I'm good with a gun, like, why can't I go? And the reason she can't go is basically because I said so, and I'm I'm the leader, and I'm in charge. Okay, boys, let's go. Well, the and I hated this. Well, the so reason much. she can't go, and the reason is because she kissed me, and then it got got weird about it. I mean, right? I mean, that's really what it is, Jax. Because even Sawyer's like, what did she do to piss you off? Yeah, kind of exactly. Like, what, like, why are you pissed off at her? And Jack is carrying a lot of, again, he's dealing with a lot of emotions and he doesn't know what to do with them or how to handle them. And in instead of he's like... He's got a lot of women, like in, issues with women. <laughs> well, instead of 
kissing Gabriella, it's now like shitting on Kate. Like yeah. that's where these these are those are two things that he doesn't want to do. He didn't want to really kiss her uh, emotionally. He doesn't really he, he doesn't hate Kate. He loves Kate if anything. And he he's but he it's you know, it's the which is also kind of a bullshit statement but it's like eh, pulling you pigtails that means they yeah. like you but it also could just mean you're an asshole in this <laughs> case in this case though i think it is part of the he likes her like the justification for it in my mind if i were to hot like if i were to put myself in the shoes of the writers for this episode the justification for it is because not because kate isn't competent it's because he has a problem with her right now and in defense of this decision, it's not like the narrative is actively portraying him as being right. Yeah. My problem with it is what ends up happening later on. Because even though the narrative doesn't actively portray him as right, by turning her into a damsel in distress later in the episode, it kind of passively portrays him as right on some level and i don't like that and and so instead of for for me for me personally instead of me looking at this as an episode of jack's hubris is what caused this and his negative attitudes towards women ultimately came back to bite him and it's his fault that this happened instead of reading it like that for me upon an initial viewing of this episode i looked at this of like Oh, remember how Kate was supposed to be the main character? The writers didn't know what to do with her, so they set her aside when the boys went out, and then they didn't know what to do with her, and so they brought her back to be a damsel in distress. That's what Kate gets for trying to be... for trying to have agency. Now, but it is... No, no, you're... The passive... Passively making him right is definitely uh, a read I see. The and 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 I think it's a very obvious read in a, in a lot of ways, like which is unfortunate because I think what they're trying to do, I still think it is about his humor. Because here's the thing, Kate doesn't get captured because like she's a girl or something like that. It's hard for it not to feel that way. I know, <laughs> but I mean, the reason she gets captured is that she's alone, and the others know everything that's going on. Yeah. The others know everything that's going on, and it's easier to capture one person. I mean, look, they capture all of them. Yeah. Technically, all of them get captured. Um, but you're absolutely right in that it's hard to read it any other way, all that stuff. Because the episode is so Jack-concentrated, it's hard not to, you know, and, view it any other way. And for me, I feel like the... Like plus, Kate apologizes for her. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but oh, yeah, plus, yeah, yeah. Kate apologizes for Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she definitely does. Like, it's her fault, even though it's not. And again, it's not necessarily the narrative actively portraying her as being at fault, so much as so Jax made her feel well, like it's her fault. Well, once she... She should have been able to go with them. Yeah. But once she didn't... And this is... This is this is maybe we're making this overly complicated but once she didn't go with them she probably should have stayed at that point because then it's just now it's her being 
Jack is the hot-headed idiot, but once that decision's made, it's not smart for her to go on her own. It's not smart for anybody to go exactly, on their own. Exactly, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, if this if this had been a Kate episode, like, instead, like, if this had been the episode where we learned what Kate did, yeah. this would not have played out that We're, way. We'd think of it differently. A, yeah. This would, the, the framing of it would be completely different. But be, And again, maybe that's intentional because this is from Jack's perspective and he does put women on pedestals and he does treat Kate like a damsel in distress and things like that. So maybe, maybe that's intentional because it's from Jack's point of view. And so when we get it from other perspectives, we obviously don't get that framework. But it's it's hard not to view it that way. And it's also hard not to view it that way when the other women in this episode also don't really seem to have much agency or seem to play roles specifically tied to the men in their Well, lives. that's true. And we'll... I want to get into yeah, some yeah, of yeah. those later. Because um, I, I have a problem with some other portrayals as well. Um. So... Uh, Which again, this is so baffling to me because this episode was written by women, and so that's why I'm I'm like this is so weird to me. Um, but women, but maybe that does make sense because some of the behavior that Jack or maybe some of the men are exhibiting in this episode might be more toxic obs- masculinity might be, that they might be more observant to women that's fair that's fair um we got to get elizabeth and christina on the show <laughs> uh, ladies if you want to call in we would love to hear from honestly i'd love to hear from any writers um anybody who worked on this show would be really cool to have yeah, on yeah we should uh we should maybe talk about this <laughs> um so anyway the boys are going on the hunt. <laughs> the They're boys are back in town. And, and at one a cool point, soundtrack plays as and, they roll down the road. <laughs> and here is the best moment of the whole episode. When they're standing around and Locke's doing a track and he goes to Sawyer like, does any of this look familiar? And Sawyer goes, oh yeah, there's my favorite leaf. <laughs> best moment Maybe of the series. <laughs> I love that's definitely like an out of context lost yeah. moment. Yeah. Again, I've said it before. If you're not following the Twitter account, no context lost, go and follow that account because it's hysterical. <laughs> There's my favorite leaf. <laughs> so, uh, but oh, Locke man. points out, like, no, this is a different way than you guys came. Michael's going a different way, but Michael seems to, like, no why where would he's he going. yeah he knows where he's going and why is he going this way um so it's very interesting so there's something up going on with michael so they continue the march and then there's a great conversation between Locke and jack well Locke <laughs> says Locke is basically like who died and made you king of the island <laughs> well also jack doesn't jack doesn't display a lot of logic sometimes because he, for the man of science he's well, because, not very logical because all the time. he thinks he can do anything so his thing is, I am going to convince Michael to come. And Locke's basically like, how? Like, you couldn't convince him before. Like, how are you going to do this? And then Locke brings up a better point, which is, who are we to tell anyone what they can and can't do? Which is obviously Locke's 
big thing to begin with, but Don't also... tell me what I can't do. But if... But again, if a man wants to take gun and go into the jungle and look for his missing son, 100% he has every right to do that. I mean, theoretically, nobody should stop him, right? Yeah. I mean, they could be like, Michael, we don't think this is a good idea. But then also maybe people could decide to go with him or not. But people could say, Michael, we don't think this is a good idea. Uh, but we won't stop you and here's some water and here's some guns and go do your thing and good luck. Use the buddy system would be my idea. You know, go with Saeed. He had nothing to do this episode. <laughs> go yeah. take a road trip with Saeed. <laughs> so... Maybe you guys will run into Rousseau and you guys can form a little a little trio and that'd be fun. Another great moment um, where they're they're tracking up this like mountain yeah and <laughs> sawyer calls Locke mr clean that's, that's a, a great, great nickname sawyer is killing it this episode <laughs> he's uh, working on his tight five <laughs> and it's gonna be open mic night on uh in the cave in a couple weeks and he's he won't he wants to prep and Locke goes, why'd you pick that name? And Sawyer's like, well, I'm like, look at you. You look like, <laughs> you look like Mr. Clean. But then Locke's like, now, like, why'd you pick the name Sawyer? Like, Oh, snap. And you could see. Called out. <laughs> you could see James start to panic a little bit. They're like, like, he's not mm. sure how to, to speak of this. Because he's like, you know, I looked on the census. And the only other person who's called him out on it so far is Kate. Yeah. And, and there's nothing I think more par- like more terrifying to a con man than being transparent, right? Exactly. Um, oddly <laughs> enough, what Locke doesn't know at this moment is that Sawyer named himself after the alias his father was using, that Locke's father was now, using. Now, do you think this is... And we've talked about this before when we, when we talked about Locke's father, but do you think they had that planned at this point? Like, is that why this character interaction is happening right now? Because they, they ultimately knew who Sawyer was. Look, we don't know how much they had planned on that, but I, I feel like something like that, I wouldn't... Look, they've already established that Locke's father was kind of a con artist. Yeah. And then you have a con man on the... People are connected. I guarantee they knew that at this point. I, I feel like they did, too. Like, uh, maybe maybe not necessarily in season one, you know, when you're still setting up a lot of pieces, but maybe that was a logical just thing that fit together, and they were like, ah, oh, this works. Let's go ahead and plant this seed. But what stops this conversation? thing that stops all conversations. The smoke Gun- monster? <laughs> gunfire. Gunfire. Uh, and, of course, you know, you hear guns going off. What do you do? If you jack, you run right towards where oh the shooting God, is. Oh my God, Jack! Um, this is gonna get you killed one day. Now, they heard seven shots at least, but they only find two shells from Michael's gun. So what does this mean? Mm. Uh, and Locke's <laughs> like, Locke's like, I've lost, I've lost, and I actually don't know whether because Jack's like. You just want to go back because Locke's making the argument to go back. You just want to go back. I honestly don't know whether Locke is playing Jack at this point and, or not. And Locke is so casual with his lies up until this point. Like, um, like we've seen the character lie before, and he lies 
pretty casually, pretty nonchalantly. So yeah, it is hard to tell whether or not he's telling the truth in a moment like this. But either way, us as the audience agrees with Locke. Whether he, whether it's a lie or not, we know they should go back. We like, have to go back. <laughs> um, You're going to use every opportunity to give it that yeah. delivery, huh? Um, but doesn't matter. They get interrupted again by Mr. Friendly. Dude, Zeke. Good old, good old Zeke. Another great, another great one. <laughs> Looking like he needs to take a shower. And... Because, yeah, he looks less, he looks more disheveled than he did on that boat, that's for sure. He looks like one of, the, he looks dirty. So, at least the water was clean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. So, so they, uh, you know, they're <laughs> The bog <Vogue> people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course, Jack's like, I, I don't, th- I think it's just you, man. And He's I don't like, think I'm calling your bluff. I'm calling your bluff. <laughs> like an asshole. <laughs> and then Mr. Friendly's like, light him up. And all of a sudden, they are surrounded by torches. And he's basically saying, like, look, Michael's not going to find us. It's time we talk about things. Yeah, because, and- like, they've... Like, like the, the interaction on the boat was literally the most one-on-one interaction that they have with with somebody, you know, who at this point we're probably assuming is a leader or really high up in, like, because we don't know what sort of structure this group of people has. Now, it's at this moment because they're like, we should talk. And, like, Locke is ready to talk because, you know. He's like, yeah, tell me the secrets of this island. I'm all but about Jack's that. Jack's being all Jack. <laughs> and then they pull out. Well. <sighs> and they say, though, they say, this This was interesting because, now, I, w- I want to jump back to a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene in the hatch between Hurley and Where we basically predict that this is exactly what's about to happen. And there's a very casual line where Saeed comes in only for the purpose <laughs> of them having to be able to deliver this information where the scene ends. And I, I, we'll get back to the scene later when we're yeah. done with the action, where mm-hmm. it basically ends like, oh, yeah. And, they and mentioned, Kate And left. Kate, like all the people we, who left. We haven't Dungeon. seen her since Jack said no girls allowed. And so we know Kate's going out. So then when they're like. So I was like, when that happened, I was like, well, I know that the answer is that she's going to be captured by the others. But I was like. But what are the odds she swoops in and saves the day? And then my hopes were dashed. <laughs> um, I, I guess they do have a bit of a conversation before they bring Kate out. I, I think I was misremembering a little bit. Where they do talk about, like, Walt is a special boy. He's special. You're living on our island. The only reason you're here is because we let you. Yeah. Like, you are our weird you are the like we live here this is our house and you are a group of random squatters that are like i don't know messing up our gardens don't walk into a man's house put your feet up on his coffee table and i'm like well they didn't they weren't invited over well, they're playing well see this is this is where and i mean it doesn't I, matter Jacob because invited them we know there's like a sinister backstories with the others we know there's more to find out about the others the others are unreasonable hosts 
to these unwanted guests, yeah. you know. It, it goes both ways, but the others also have the power in the situation. Yeah. And they That's, are writing that, like, they could they could get rid of our ragtag group of survivors any moment they want. Um, and, you know, but uh, Mr. Friendly there, he's willing to just be like... I'm a friendly guy. We could just chat about this. We could chalk this up as a... You go back. This is a misunderstanding. You're like, leave your guns. You go back. Chalk it up as a misunderstanding. I think that's reasonable. Locke's willing to do this, but guess who isn't? <laughs> Jack, who still starts getting me, 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 me. So then finally, they're like, well, here's here's our trump card. And they bring out Kate. By the way, he does say, he, he asks Alex to bring out Kate. We don't what? see Alex. <laughs> and this is something you would only ever pick up on a rewatch, mm-hmm. because we know... Alex is, is the name of Rousseau's child. Yes, and and they make a point of not <coughs> showing the person who drags Kate out. Although I will say that, like looking at, I'm like I'm fairly certain that's not the actress who ends up playing Alex. No. That looks like a male stand-in. It does. <laughs> it does. But it's concealed but, enough in the darkness that you don't really know, and exactly. which makes me think that they were like already ten steps ahead on what they were planning with exactly. the Alex character. Um, and basically it's like, we'll kill her or you guys could just walk away. I mean, that's no uh, that's no decision to be made. And it still takes Jack a, a couple of counts yeah, to make the decision. Like, how is that not immediately, okay, let her go. Here are our guns. Alright, we're backing off now. How is that not the immediate reaction? He waits until the last possible second. And Jack eventually uh, is like, okay. And they... Fine, I guess don't murder her. Here's my gun. So they... And, <laughs> and the others leave and they all walk. I do walk. like Sawyer's bit of bravado, though. Like, yeah. he tried to be a hero a couple times and he keeps getting smacked down by Zeke. Oh, man. <laughs> Sawyer. But... <laughs> He's so good in this episode. But, you know, like, Sawyer and Locke, they're not blaming Kate for anything. No. It's just Jack, because Jack, because they had that awkward kiss, and now things weird, and <laughs> you love, and, and... I said stay, and then she didn't do what I told her to do. And, and Sawyer said he loved her, but I love her. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Honestly, not much would change if we de-aged these characters, would it? <laughs> not in this storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Not in most of the island romantic storylines. Mm-hmm. Well, at least up until this point. I think some will get more complicated and beautiful, like Sawyer and Juliet. But Probably. We'll, we'll get to I'm, that I'm in really, season five. I'm really hoping I feel differently about Juliet upon a second watch, because I really didn't like She's her your Ana Lucia. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping I'm wrong about her. So they're walking back and... Kate's like, just trying to help. And Jack's like, meh. Rebel, 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 rebel. And he gets back to the beach. And he goes and he talks to Anna Lucia. Because he's like, you know, he's feeling lonely. So he's going to go talk to the loneliest girl on the island. She made friends with a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Vincent knows she's good. And that's, (laughs) uh, that's when 
they say, and Matt a few weeks ago alluded to this moment <laughs> on the podcast, a moment that sounds badass and will amount to very little, <laughs> in which he asks Santa Lucia if she wonders how uh, long it'll take to train an army. Not happening. Not happening. Would, it would be really funny <laughs> if, like, right before it cut to black, like it does at the end of every episode, she's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the other little things that went on in this episode. We already alluded there was a conversation with Hurley and Charlie in... The hatch. Looking at uh, old-timey records. Listen to some Geronimo Jackson, which <laughs> I don't remember if that's a real I don't thing either. Not. I think it's like a lost, created <laughs> 60s group. It sounds made 60s, up. 60s, 70s group. But once again, though, I know people say, look, these people didn't have a lot of things planned ahead of time. They're setting up very early this whole idea of like the 70s and what's going on which we end up revisiting a lot particularly in season five uh, for a minute i thought you were gonna say that the band <laughs> jackson played a key role into a future storyline and i legit didn't remember so i was like did a did a, se- a 70s band play a huge role once the time travel stuff got going and so i just had a moment where i'm like am i forgetting something hey geronimo jackson comes up again this is not the only time it's ever mentioned on the show <laughs> so they were they, the inspiration for you all everybody so they're listening to uh some music uh which, which saeed says this is depressing which is great saeed has a great line saeed who's very depressed also we haven't uh, seen much he's of just wandering around looking for something to do now that shannon's gone this music is very depressing (laughs) he exists in this episode to say that and then also for them to be like (laughs) where is everybody (laughs) um it's so funny because there's this high stakes drama stuff going on of walt we have to get michael back kate no i can go no you stay all this stuff is going on inside he's just wandering around going hey where is everybody (laughs) Like, I love the idea of him just wandering around and of Anna Lucia just sitting in that exact same spot that she's been in for three episodes. (laughs) Like, it'd be really great during these really tense moments to just cut back to them just going, huh, I'm bored. So, Harley and Charlie, they're talking, they're talking about girls. Yeah. You think I got a shot with Libby? Yeah, Hurley's like, you know, he's, if there's ever a situation in which he did, he's thinking, you know, it's the classic deserted island scenario. Hurley, you gotta have more confidence in yourself, dude. Well, look, here's the thing. the the For potential girlfriends, boyfriends, the pickings are slim on this island. That's very, and, I mean, <laughs> what and, is it, like 40 people? Am, am I correct on that number? Ish? Yeah. They're, thereabouts? Only 16 of whom are important? <laughs> so, uh, Harley's trying to figure out, like, and look, I mean. Hey, that one girl at the record store really liked him. Yeah. What was her name? It was something kind of hipstery. I don't remember. But yeah, she liked him. They were gonna go on that day before uh, his life. Before everything kinda, changed. Before his bad luck caught Although, up with him. Quite frankly, 
once he won the lottery there, he could have taken her out on a very nice date. <laughs> that probably really would have gone a long way in winning her over. <laughs> um, she liked him for him, Will. Hey, let me tell you what. I'm sure there are people who've liked me for me, but I'm sure they were very happy when we went and, and did <laughs> and you some bought them and dinner. bought them dinner. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I like when someone buys me dinner. I mean, I don't hate when other people buy me dinner. <laughs> That's certainly uh, true. But Charlie's only kind of half listening because he's very preoccupied about Claire. <sighs> it's been a day, Charlie. It's been a day. So yeah, that <laughs> I do like that though. But that it, it's line. just a little, it's a little uh, thing thrown in there, I guess, just to kind of uh, show that, like, oh yeah, these other characters have some things going on that we are going to he, deal with soon. He doesn't. It's funny because he doesn't look like he's on heroin because, like, that was how that episode ended. But there is that moment where he wipes his nose, and I don't know if that's like just an allergy moment or if that's like us meant to take that as like uh he's on the drugs again i didn't even catch that it was it was very subtle i don't think it was necessarily i don't think uh well this is the kind of show that like on set that day dominic monaghan had an itch (laughs) and then it created like 20 (laughs) blogs with 500 theories he's taking the heroin again (laughs) um i don't think he's doing heroin at this point i don't think so either and if i'm remembering correctly i don't think he gets on the drugs again i legit think it's the island messing with him and everyone assuming he's on drugs i don't remember (laughs) i don't remember either but i do remember some terrible thing he does at some point yeah that he goes a little bonkers there yeah um so one last storyline to talk about uh this is i guess the um in the grand tradition of uh uh, sawyer needing glasses (laughs) and sawyer getting a haircut son Uh, losing her wedding ring well this is son gives jen a hat (laughs) 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 um but then they begin a, a discussion because Jin gets word that, like, Michael is is out in a jungle. And Jin's like, I must go help my friend, which I think is a very noble thought. But then Sun's like, hold on a second. You just got back. Yeah. And Jin's like, he's my friend. And she's like, I'm your wife. Now, you should stay here. This, I have a little bit of a problem with this, too. Uh, ultimately, it, like I, I love the conclusion of this particular storyline because um, ultimately he's like, I don't like being told what to do. And she's like, yeah, it's not fun. Now, is it? Because ultimately, a couple shouldn't be telling each other what to do. They should be making decisions together and compromising, etc., etc. Things that good couples should do, which is what they're learning to become. Uh but like and and so i i ultimately like her making him realize and and you know he knew how he was treating her too and and, and also how much of this is like the culture he found himself in like yeah. he found himself at the beck and call of a very traditional a very patriarchal and frightening, yeah. uh yeah man in a patriarchal society and so i mean i think Jin's genuinely like i think he is genuinely learning a lesson here yeah yeah and 
And and again, he understands too because he he came from a lower station in life. So yes, he's been ordered around quite a bit. But in the dynamic of their relationship, you know, he told her, "Don't worry, it's going to be fine." And then he proceeded to take orders from her father for several years. And he would kind of project that back onto her by telling her what to do. And, like, you know, whether he meant to or not, like, that's how it kind of ended up being. So I do like her going, huh, yeah, not, it's not fun now, is it? I didn't appreciate being told what to do basically all of my life and for our entire marriage. And so I like that they come to that conclusion and that ultimately it makes them a stronger couple. What I don't really like about it is that this is another example of the friendship that Michael and Son developed basically being scrapped and forgotten about as a storyline because he was her friend first. And I, I love the friendship that's developed between him and Jin, but, but he was her friend first. But, and, and like it was her developing this friendship with him you know, that helped very much, you know, she, he was her confidant for a little bit. For a while, he was the only one who knew she could speak English. And so when he disappears, there's this mild concern, kind of like, yeah, there's this mild concern. And then when Jin goes to leave, because Michael's my friend, she, yeah, like it's, it's super callous. But we can also say. Yeah, absolutely. That son knows what Kate doesn't at this point don't go run off in the jungle by yourself <laughs> there are people already out there yeah like what are we go- like you go off by yourself you're gonna get captured by others which Kate does <laughs> I mean it's not explicitly said but there is other I mean I don't know maybe I'm trying well, to give maybe I'm trying to give reason to no, people who, I mean that, as, that wasn't necessarily as intended Sawyer, as Sawyer points out Cindy was kidnapped a half a mile away from where our camp is. And so like it's a it's it's very it's Sun, reckless to run out into the jungle. Sun you know? also knows that this is the be- this is the best spot her marriage has been in for Absolutely. years. No, there And there are plenty she of She needs narr- to hold on to that. There are plenty of narrative justifications for why these characters are acting this way. I just find it a little off that, again, you know, the, this is more just me going like, this is a storyline that got picked up and thrown away. And, and now we're going to pretend like it doesn't exist anymore. Like their initial interactions on the island don't matter. The fact that he was the first person she confided in doesn't matter anymore. And since I really liked those story beats and I liked the friendship that they were developing, uh, I find it annoying when people start acting like those things didn't happen or like they don't matter. Well, then, let me ask you this. Let's jump to the end here. Okay. Not the end of the episode, (laughs) the end of the podcast. What is your man in black? Ooh. Definitely Kate getting kidnapped. Hands down turning Kate into a damsel in distress in this episode. And I hate... Look, again, I I know, I know, I know that wasn't necessarily the intention behind this, or it probably wasn't, but like I said, since I have to do mental gymnastics to justify it in my, to justify it as a choice that, 
without without having to do the mental gymnastics, it's a choice that bothers me. The fact that I have to do mental gymnastics to be like, well, I see what they were going for, and I know it wasn't intended this way. The fact that I have to justify that to myself shows that maybe this one should have been looked at again. I'm, I don't know. I'm not trying maybe to... Maybe I'm reading more into it. Maybe I'm, I'm being too sensitive. I'm not trying to... Uh, no, because yeah, I, 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 I think it, it's, that's all there on the surface, so I don't think it's being too sensitive. But I, as a point to try to play devil's advocate to it, is there anyone who would have ran off by their own on their own and not gotten captured? I think anyone who went like if it was Jin who went off, he would have gotten captured. I Absolutely. think anyone would have. That's the only. That's the only defense I have, I guess, against, like, anyone would have, anyone who left. No, And it's just absolutely. because of the dynamics of, but, I mean, then you can also, I mean, look, we've already made fun of these dynamics by them being, like, grade schoolers, and, the way and they're it, acting about again, this shit. For, for me, there's also this hyper-awareness of any dynamic, anytime this dynamic comes up, because Kate should have been the protagonist, originally. So any this is like anytime I see shit like this of Jack telling her to stay behind or do this, do this, you're like you shouldn't be doing this. I don't see that necessarily as character flaws within Jack. It's hard not to read those moments of the writers going, well as the writers going, well what do we do with Kate? Oh yeah, I forgot. You know, Kate was supposed to be the main character. Now we don't know what to do with her. Uh, I guess she gets captured. And that's I know that that's not probably the intention. Like I know it's difficult in a writers room, especially with a big ensemble cast. Like I get it. And I get like you don't necessarily mean for it to come across this way, but it's really hard for me just personally not to read it as, well, what do we do with Kate? Oh, <laughs> it's really hard for me not to read it that way. Ever since I learned she was supposed to be the protagonist, she was supposed to be the protagonist, and Michael Keaton was going to be Jack. <laughs> Which Michael Keaton? Makes you want to get nuts? Like, yeah, let's, let's get, get nuts. nuts. Oh my gosh, that would have been so great. I, I would like that to be what he says to the smoke monster right before it kills him. <laughs> Um, Maybe you have to call the smoke monster's name three times to summon it, and it, it takes the form of Michael Keaton. That would have been amazing. Um. So anyway, how about no, you, Man my, in Black? Well, my Man in Black. It's interesting because I was originally, you know, I started this episode being like, I feel like this flashback is so well done, but not giving me anything new. But I feel like I've talked myself out of that because. In the discussion of the flashback, it is so well done. It's very, it's, it's rich. so well done. And there's so much going on that even though it's just feeding into the thing we already know about Jack, yeah, it's it's done at a level that I can't argue against. So I've been trying to lately avoid these predictive, like these man in blacks that speak to future episodes, but because I'm shaking things up at the last minute i'm gonna do one of those which is the whole army thing (laughs) and the whole army thing is a problem not because you know you can argue they don't pay off the polar bears but you know they had time for the series to turn and change and they're like the polar bears aren't that important anymore (laughs) but the army thing it's like like 
you could have done something with that in the next two, three episodes, and you don't. <laughs> so it's a weird thing to set up and, and not... And it, not explore. Yeah. Which, um, again, is why it would have been great if the episode had ended with Anna Lucia going, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to sit here on in my corner of the beach and just stare at that sunset, and that's going to be my character for the next five episodes. I don't know how many episodes she sits there, but... <laughs> um, What's your Jacob? Uh, there's a lot to pick from. In, in all honesty, I was... I'm going to be honest. Before we actually started talking about this episode, I had a lot of negative feelings towards it because of my initial reading of the Jack-Kate dynamic and Kate's role in this episode. I, I came in here with pretty negative emotions, even though it's a well-written episode. Um, so I honestly wasn't really thinking of a man in white. Um, but, like, there is a lot of good in this episode. Um there's a lot going on here. There's a lot performance-wise that's fantastic. There's a lot writing-wise that's really good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and... Sorry, I didn't mean to put myself on the spot. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give it to... Um... I'm going to give it to Julie. Like, oh my gosh, her, her performance... She's great. Her performance is amazing. I'm going to give it to her because, one, we don't get much of her for the rest of the series. We, we'll get her occasionally. Um, she's a super talented actress, and I kind of wish I saw, like, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw her in something. She's super talented, and the world needs to see more of her. Emmy winner for Modern Family. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, this episode's very interesting because... I, I haven't can't... watched Modern Family in like five years. That's why yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, that's why a... haven't I seen her? Because she's on a sitcom, duh. <laughs> um, the thing is, with this episode, I think both of us, and I, and I didn't dislike this episode, but I had some weird, like, is this episode really that good going into it? And through our discussion, we both, I think, come out of it liking the episode a lot more. Not that I ever hated the episode, but... I was like, I was like, is this as good as, a, as as it thinks it is? And through the discussion, I'm like, oh yeah, it actually really is. Um, but of course, my Jacob is. Oh yeah, there's my favorite <laughs> leaf. I was gonna I mean, give it to Sawyer, but I was like, oh, Will's gonna get mad at me well, because there are there are. Um, he has so many good one-liners. He's in this. so good, and in he's this. so in this episode needs that. Because uh, it needs to balance the Jack insane fix it mentality. Well, he's been he's been passed out for he was passed out for like two episodes, and then yeah, he was recovering for for like two more episodes after that. So like this is the first, even though he's still on the mend a little bit, this is like the first time we get Sawyer back at like almost a hundred percent, and he comes back swinging. So, Megan, that wraps up another fine episode of our podcast. <laughs> Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do uh, a show on Rooster Team Radio. Right now, we are doing Camp Camp Counselor's Corner. And I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my co-host Katie Cullen 
talk about horror things. I'm really excited for It Chapter 2 to come out. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm fairly awesome. certain that movie will already be out by the time this podcast drops, uh, this this episode of our podcast drops. But guys, I'm really excited for it. It's going to be so good. Uh, There's a pop-up over at Hollywood and oh, Vine. Oh, I know about this. I've, yeah. I've got my reservation already. I'm it's so excited. A, uh, the movie's apparently nearly three hours. That sounds about right. Do Which you know is, how big that friggin' that book is? Big, but it's so funny because the miniseries that had that I was watched like three was three hours. hours long. So and then, but we'll talk about it off air because yeah, I can get sure. into some things because that is a great book, but also like. Stephen King doesn't always stick the landing with endings, and I'm wondering what they do well, in the movie. That was that was my thing. I hated the ending of the miniseries because I hadn't read the book, so it, it yeah. seemingly came out of left field, and I was just like, "What?" I mean, there's more in the the book. Obviously, they could get into it more, but For still, sure. like, it's, I mean, I have a similar issue with the stand, but we will, and I love both those books, but. We'll get into that on our Stephen <laughs> King podcast. In the meantime... When we, when we join Juliet's book club and we yeah. start talking about her Stephen King collection. Um, Maybe Juliet and I are going to have more in common than I give her credit for. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at... The Real Will Link. And uh, you can buy my book, Crazy About Kurt, uh, which is sold... Uh, where books are sold, which is Amazon. Woo! Um... And also, um, if follow us on Twitter at No Love Lost Pod. So, uh, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me, as always, Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast jukebox. A DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God, and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows.
And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you listen to us, might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys.